Hello, my friends. My name is Aureli. Education Monsters is a podcast that discusses multicultural education. Hi, hello on Education Monsters. I'm here with Andre, and today's the day. Like we said, since day one that I've met him on Italki taking French classes, I knew I wanted him on the podcast, and he said yes. <laughs> Welcome to you. Hey. Uh, I don't know how to introduce myself, but she's been hounding me for a while, so <laughs> so I'm here. <laughs> I'm going to try that with my superb memory. So I know you told me that you came from a small town, countryside, not suburb, of South Carolina, near Columbia. You've been in the Navy for 15 years, uh, and you joined at 18 years old. You're a physical therapist, and you're also a DJ. You can find him and check him out. <laughs> and he's very good at dancing and CrossFit. Majority of those details you got right. I've been in the Navy for uh, 15 years. I work as a physical therapy assistant. I do DJ, and I am a good dancer. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to say great, but I'd impress myself. <laughs> Don't worry. It's a podcast, so there's only audio, and one day it's going to become a video. You can show off your dance moves. And we'll just keep this a secret and just do the podcast. Okay, so how about you just tell us about your education and how you got there, what was your passion about the medical field, and mostly, who are you? Um, man, it's a lot. So, I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and associates in computer studies. I've been in the Navy, again, I say for 15 years, and I started in the medical field because I had aspirations on being a cardiologist. However, that soon changed when I realized that I don't like blood and seeing a lot of stuff. So I'm like, oh, no, I can't do it. Let's switch. <laughs> so then, then I switched to doing physical therapy, and I've been doing it for the past 10, 11 years. And I like the job because mainly all I do is exercise, talk about sports, and make sure people don't fall off like parallel bars and stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, I was really intrigued by your profile because the first thing you said to me is, I like San Diego, but there's not much of a black community there. Can you explain that a little bit? So, as far as, like, I like this, the San Diego area is good, right? But as far as community for uh, black people, it's really spread out. So, in my work, like, in my department, there are four black people. And that's a department of 70 plus people. And in the hospital that I work in, I can count everybody on maybe like my hands and toes that I run into on a day-to-day basis that are black. So where I'm from in South Carolina, there's a big sense of community because we're all next to each other. We're all in the same town. We can all rely on each other. But here you feel isolated. There's a black experience in America. And if you don't understand that, then you can't really relate. We, we can't really relate to everyone. Well, moving, moving around a lot has got its pluses and minuses, I guess. I've been fortunate enough to be places where I've met people that I still talk to today. But as you do feel lonely because, like I said, like only another person that's been through what you've been through can kind of understand your experiences. Does it kind of make sense? Yeah. When I was living in Japan, there weren't a lot of uh, black people everywhere. But then again, I knew my first couple weeks in Japan, I think I went to the gym. I went to, I play basketball. So I went to play basketball. And that's where I made a whole bunch of friends. Next thing you know, I had a community. <laughs> <laughs> it makes total sense. It's different. So when you're overseas, right? 
there's a thing like when you're overseas. So if you're overseas and you're American, then everybody's together. Like no matter if you're black, white, Spanish, it doesn't matter. You you still share that you're American. So people don't hold as much, many prejudices as they would in the United States. So I had like a very diverse group of friends in basically every other country that I've been to. But here, when you're here, everybody's got their own things going on. And because there's no like center or focal point, say like we all meet every Thursday at some restaurant just to talk about the experience or what's going on in the week and stuff like that. Then you end up being like, you go play basketball and then you go home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you go this place or and that's it. So and a lot of the things that I do don't necessarily uh, correlate to a lot of the things that a lot of other black like I eat healthy. Sometimes they don't eat healthy or I don't swim and they swim. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. The reason I wanted you so bad on my podcast is to actually talk about the Black History Month that happened in February. But I was like a while ago and we didn't have time to talk about it. Is there a chance we can approach that topic, even though we're late? Earth. So there are two schools. Uh, when I talk to a bunch of people, do we celebrate? Do we not celebrate Black History Month? And now it's not so much relevant anymore, but it's going to come up next year. So let's just get it out of the way. It feels like people who really preach it are so supported by the community that it feels natural to promote that. But for people who want to feel indifferent, they want to feel invisible, They don't want to celebrate that. They don't like the attention. They just want to be considered a citizen rather than someone defined by their color. So is your question, should we celebrate Black History Month? So where I'm getting at is where do you stand on it? Because we did have a few conversations related to the topic. Well, I mean, I can, I can see why people don't want to celebrate Black History Month because they feel like, You're making it a thing. You know what I'm saying? But the, I think you should celebrate Black History Month because the only time people really know about the black experience is in Black History Month. So I think it should be more, uh, broadened beyond, you know, Harriet Tubman, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, because there are plenty of people that we could celebrate during Black History Month, but the same four or three, Abraham Lincoln and all these other people, get mentioned every year so we don't end up learning the extent of our history so i think personally black people in america don't have a connection to anything outside of america so we are i think the only people that don't know our history past what like 1690 something past past slavery like i don't know where my family came from so if we don't know our history then we're kind of just like free roaming through the world. You know what I mean? But you like, there's no roots. You can't have a tree with no roots. Is the reason why you want more of Black History Month um, a personal fulfillment? You know, like filling up a hole that will help you know who you are better because then you have a certain sense of logic like, oh, this is what my family went through, so therefore this is what I should head towards. This is how I should think. This is how how it's supposed to help me feel. Or is this more for your heritage, like your future kids, so that they understand better, like, so they understand a more equitable education between all the races and we're not just focusing on the white people? It's a pride that we just, we're, we have it, but we don't have it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you remember when Black Panther came out, everybody was all like, Africa, woo, stuff like that. But 
where was all that energy like 20 years ago or something like that? It was, it was mute. So if, if we don't have, say we didn't have Black History Month, then we probably wouldn't learn or not just black people, but all people wouldn't learn about the black experience, which is in my theory, in my, my opinion, America, because America was built by slavery. It's that, that industrial or that industry built America. And if we don't, if it's not acknowledged, then it's just assumed that, oh, we, they just brought us here and America was already here. You, we were just free labor, but that's not what happened. It's, it's in the town where I come from, there's a railroad track. And in that railroad track, they're like bodies of slaves because that's who built the railroad track, you know? And if you don't know these things, you don't appreciate the, your story. Like, you don't appreciate the entire experience. I appreciate being black because I know where we were. So where did you learn that if you learned that from school? Like, who educated you on that particular ancestry? Family members, my great-great-grandmother. I'm from South Carolina. She's from North Carolina. Um, she, spent, she was born in, like, 1921 or something like that. And she used to tell me what she had to go through and hearing her experiences and relating them toward my experiences lets me be uh, a little bit more connected to the world, I guess, and everything that's around me. Because I know there may be racism today. There's racism today, but it's not on the level that it was in 1929. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, we're moving forward. And if we don't acknowledge that we're moving forward, then we're going to stay the same. Like, just... Avoiding it doesn't make it not be there. Like in the schools, people are afraid to talk about slavery. I'm like, why, why are people afraid to talk about slavery? It happened. Acknowledge it. That way you can move forward from it. For sure. And I guess the issue with Black History Month that a bunch of black people are against is the fact that why should we just talk about it in February? And shouldn't we be grateful for that rare world all year long instead of just celebrating it in February? Because then it makes it a thing. It's like Valentine's Day, you know, it's forced rather than feeling gratitude and love all year round. So Black History Month isn't just for black people. Like it's to, it's for the black, it's for people to know the black experience. It's like Hispanic Heritage Month. Hispanic Heritage Month is in October. So we, we're not like, oh man, let's get rid of Hispanic Heritage Month or something like that. That's not what they're saying. They're showing their pride in being Hispanic. The same thing is with Black History Month. And I have friends that are from the West Coast, right? They didn't teach slavery in their books in the West Coast. So they didn't teach about slavery. They didn't teach about like, you know, civil rights or any of that stuff in Arizona. Cause that's where, I think that's where he's from. Arizona, New Mexico. Didn't know about it, but they know Black History Month. So that's a time where you can at least know the bare minimum of the Black experience. And do you feel like it's important to you? Because even though you personally did not experience slavery, it's important that your ancestors were acknowledged. Like you do not make the separation between what your ancestors have lived versus what you are taking as a legacy? A parallel would be like the Holocaust. So if you have Holocaust survivors in your family, you acknowledge that history, you appreciate that they survived through the Holocaust, etc., etc., right? It's the same thing with slavery. It's the same thing with Jim Crow. It's the same thing with the crack epidemic. It's the same thing. You appreciate that these people made it and paved this way for you to get to where you are. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot louder in some cultures 
than others. Like, let's say, for example, the, the Asian community has also been enslaved by white people, especially like Japanese coming from the Pacific to build railroads and stuff like that. And my parents have also lived through the war and the genocide for four years. And when the second they get back to France, they didn't ask for recognition or vengeance or anything. They just forgot about the history. It was pretty sad, actually, how they just wanted to bury that. Like us children did not hear about that history until we were adults because they had to dig in through what they went through. But it was never as loud as the black community or the Latin community where they really, you know, shout, yes, we're proud. I feel like the Asians are more are trying to be more fitting, trying to be more, you know, like, I don't know how to describe that. Like not to be Trying to fit the mold. Yeah, trying to fit the mold, but also feeling more introvert, more introverted about their history. Well, I mean, there's a there's a price to not fitting in. I mean, that's just like you, if you pay the toll, you know what I'm saying? If you pay the price, then you end up having like this pride and heritage and all kinds of stuff like that. But if you don't pay the price, then you, you kind of slide into the mainstream. You know what I mean? For sure. You can also embrace multiple cultures without being strongly into one because it's a whole spectrum, right? So especially now with right. traveling a lot, you're not just one identity. You usually carry several cultures. So you can be born and die in the same town. But like for people who like to travel, even though they're white and they travel into another white country, they're still like, they're still outside of the comfort zone. So in some ways, there's always an identity to be rebuilt. I feel like it's also a choice that you can carry your ancestors' burden or not. For me, I acknowledge that, you know, my ancestors probably were slaves. But that doesn't make me a slave. I think that's what you're getting at. And So, yeah, the question comes down to, I can definitely acknowledge that my ancestors lived through that. They were a victim of that. But it's not going to define me. I'm not going to be that victim. I'm not going to be persecuted. I'm not going to use that as a shield to not, you know, get ahead of life. And right. I'm not saying that people do that. Like, I'm not pointing fingers to any race or anybody who's done this. But I feel like it's important to acknowledge that present is present. History is history. And, of course, it's a blend because time is moving, always moving. I, I agree with you, but uh, but not fully because, so the thing with black people in America, that history is never acknowledged. So nobody's ever like, oh, man, dude. We sorry for slavery. You know what I'm saying? That's never happened. No, there were no white people to be like, hey, man, I bad. Like, Abraham Lincoln didn't even really want to free slaves. He just did it because he was trying to win. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like, oh, man, we treated you people. We treated you people bad for, like, generations, and we're going to make it up to you. That, that never happened. Or, oh, man, we're going to make this standardized in all textbooks that this, this, this happened. That never happened. You know, so like a lot of the the history that I know, I had to learn as an adult, too. So that's when I learned about the Fred Hamptons, the Malcolm X's, the, all these other people that that contributed to the experience, you know, because they don't teach that in school. They only teach you Martin Luther King, Harry Tubman, Frederick Douglass, and that's pretty much it. And Abraham Lincoln. They always teach Abraham Lincoln. They, they, they're like, Abraham Lincoln did this, guys. Like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, and? <laughs> but what else happened, you know? But so I'm not sure how so, it states, but is the education system regulated on the federal level or is it for states? So states that we... Nah, every... So with education, right, it's kind of like... So you know what redlining is, right? So like, it, well, like for redlining. So my school district's here and another school district's here. Based on where the housing line is, 
one school will get like more funding than the other school. And majority of those schools that get more funding are the white schools. So like black school or I would I won't even say black, but like poor schools get poor educational tools to succeed. That's why a lot of people put their kids in private school. And who's deciding that? The government. <laughs> okay. The federal government. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy, right? I mean, yeah, do you know what's happened? Do you know what's the force behind it that keeps it corrupt and that prevents, you know, like the gap from um, signing up? I would say it's uh, the system. It's, it's not just schools, it's everything. Like, everything seems to be like that. It's a system put in place to keep other cultures in their place. Yeah, definitely. Not, not just black people, Hispanic people too. Like, we're, it's all the same. That's interesting, though, because when I'm comparing that to France, which is a country that does not have census on race, so you don't know how many people are in each ethnicity, and they don't see you with your color, they're pretty colorblind, they see you as French first, and then they can ask you about your origins, but it's considered taboo to even ask, and it's still defined by socioeconomic status. So it's not so much that, oh, we have schools full of black people, or we have schools full of Asians, or, or, or etc. It's really a matter of... Uh, each quarter, like each neighborhood has its own budget. And I'm not sure, I'm really not sure how it's uh, being divided, but you can tell that some schools are more ghetto than others. And they might be recognized by the government as being problem schools. And so it's a cycle, like you were saying, because then the rich parents who live in that area pull out their, their kids so that the school does not get better. And everything's ranked by how the school performs as a whole. So basically, the, the failing students will just stay there. And then it's going to be generations of you know failing students and failing students. And so the reputation of the school will determine that the parents will decide, oh, my kid's going to be either in better hands or I'm just going to not care and put that kid in there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that about France. I just knew, you know, America's kind of messed up. <laughs> I feel like it's messed up everywhere where there's a large population and where there's diversity because although there is a lot of good things about being multicultural, there's also a lot of people who have different mindsets and they have superiority complex and inferiority complex. And then people get tired and they start saying all lives matter. And so it gets... <laughs> all lives matter. I, I never really like... When people say that or like blue lives matter or stuff like that, I'm like, I don't think they're getting the message behind what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Black lives matter is because at this current point in time, you know, with the police brutality and all this stuff going on, these are the people that are affected. So black lives matter. We need to take care of what's going on here. It's the same thing that's going on now with the Asian community. And we're like, Asian lives matter, you know, because... All this Asian hate because people were like, oh, man, this is where fucking Corona came from, which ain't true, you know. But I'm like, hey, you can't just be like, all right, well, all lives matter. <laughs> and I think the majority of the people that say this are like white because they're like, they don't share in the experience. You know what I mean? But that's the thing that we like those people will never feel wrong because it's actually true that all lives matter. It's just that it takes away from the from the message Like we're not pointing to the whole world. We're not pointing to Earth and its problem. We're pointing to like this one specific problem. And if you're like relating the hashtag stop Asian hate or hashtag black, black lives matter and then start saying, but you know what? All lives matter. It's like you're talking about everything and nothing at once. So it cancels out like your intention. Like yes. you're not understanding the problem. And it's too bad because a lot of people 
don't understand what's wrong with all lives matter or all colors are beautiful. Like they love promoting messages that includes everybody. But instead, like you're just like taking away from the authenticity because you're not focusing your heart onto this one problem. All right. So it's like this, right? I can fly. You know, I'm special. But if we all can fly, then I'm not. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's what, that's what I think when everybody says all lives matter. I'm like, okay, so you just don't want this group to be special, you know, or this group to have acknowledgement and stuff like that. For sure. And I think I've heard the all lives matter more from white people than from other minorities personally, but I might be wrong because I've never taken a survey on it. But it seems like for once, you know, white people are not in the center of attention. Like they're not the main people, like they get scared. You know, it's like the paradox of of the colonizers being afraid to be colonized. So they're scared for what they've earned, their privilege. And you know, I'll never, I'll never be in their shoes and I'll never understand what it's like to have all the privileges, but I'll also never understand what it's like to be black and I'll also never understand what it's like to be Latin. So you can only understand it from your perspective and from the perspective of a white person. I think I've learned to take compassion in that. It's not because they have not experienced racism that they don't have empathy. They just don't have the same kind of empathy because they haven't lived the experience. They just know it in theory. And for all the white people who travel to Africa and be like, you know, I was the minority when I was on vacation. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> seriously, dude? I I don't think they... I, I feel like sometimes people don't realize... So this is why it's important to know your history. Because if you don't know your history, then you just are oblivious to it. So if you don't know that your people pretty much went to Africa and decimated a country... And you'd be like, oh, man, you know, all lives matter. <laughs> but you're like, oh, or you don't if you don't realize that, you know, in America, they put Japanese people in concentration camps. You know, if you don't know that, then you'd be like, oh, man, you, you might tell a Japanese person that they're Chinese and just think it's perfectly fine. And, or you don't acknowledge people's cultures and stuff like that. So if you don't know history, then you're pretty much oblivious to any other cultures and everything that's happening in the world. That's what I think. But that's the thing is you cannot you cannot use history to hate on others. They learn too much about history. They know about the hatred that's going on. They know about the competition for the resources for the land, about the free labor and how Africa sold a lot of slaves. Like it's also easy to get that in your head too much that you'd start hating people for what the ancestors. Oh yeah, definitely. Like so when I so when I started learning about black history and all this other stuff, like I had white friends and I was like, don't fucking talk to me. Blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, oh man, this dude never did nothing to me. Why am I so mean? <laughs> you know? So then you'd be like, all right, well, you realize that, hey, there's something going on within you that's projecting on other people, right? That's why like therapy is like a good thing or journaling and shit like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's cursed. Journaling and stuff like that. Because if you, I mean, if you don't, you just, absorb all that stuff and you see you'd be like oh man this white person named rick is like the worst person ever but you never talked to rick before in your life you just know he wears a trench coat and and work boots <laughs> you're like that guy's a racist and you're like that guy has he's probably got like a black girlfriend or something like that you know that's just his style so you know white people who are dating black partners and be like i'm not racist my partner's black so <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I've funny. heard that before. You can still be racist and date anybody from any other race. It doesn't give you a free pass. Yep, that's true. I get that one. 
But I have heard that before. Like, people are like, oh, man, I have black friends, you know. I don't understand what you're talking about. Like, I had a guy that I work with tell me there was, like, candy on a table. And he was like, you want the purple ones, don't you? And he was white. And I was like, I can't believe you just said that. Because there's a stereotype that all black people like grape, uh, grape-flavored things and watermelon and shit like that. And I was like, I can't believe. I, I couldn't believe. I felt so offended that he said that to me. But he was like trying to make a joke, but didn't understand the severity of the joke. Oh, another black person making that joke is funny, but you making that joke, it's offensive. For sure. And also has to do with the relationship you have with this person. Like no matter what color, no matter what ethnicity you are, if it's your best friend, no matter what color they are, I feel like it's going to be taken more lightly than if it was a stranger talking to you, even your boss talking to you, like in words. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, they still know. Like, even, like, if he's your best friend, he would know. Like, I ain't gonna make this joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, I wanted to talk about compassion a little more because I've also realized that, you know, it's hard to change a whole system just being one person. It's not impossible, but it's definitely hard. So, in the meantime, you have to live with it. And I've gotten more patience with people like saying that all lives matter and all colors are beautiful, that you should not just judge them based on that one sentence. You know, it's not because they don't know about one topic that they're dumb. Like people are way more complex than this and it might not be their area of expertise because, you know, to be interested in racism to begin with, you'd have to have some personal experience because otherwise, like, you know, because there's a wave right now, you have to write it and make a post about it. Because if you don't talk about it on media, on the social media, then it means that you're racist. So basically, they end up saying stuff like that, which makes no sense. And that doesn't bring anything to society. But in the end, it's more of the social pressure that they're doing stuff like that without really understanding. But it's not coming from a mean place. You know, they're not doing this to hurt minorities or they're not doing this to be openly racist i feel like they're trying to be included is that what you're trying yes, you get that they're trying to just say they're trying to put like a, a post trying to support but it comes out super awkward that's what it comes down to honestly i think that's like a fear thing like you don't want to say black lives matter because you're afraid of how it's going to look for like with your family or something like that oh he thinks black lives matter blah 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 and like yeah this that, that could be like your how you feel that doesn't change that, you know, you still are who you are. You know, I, there were protests in San Diego and it was like a ton of white people there. And I was like, yeah, you know, they out here protesting. It was white people, LGBTQ community, all these people out here. And it's all like all love, you know, but like people that I think is a fear that people like, a yeah, the social pressure, people feel that social pressure. Like, oh man, I don't want to be put into this group, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a us against us versus them kind of thing. And I think media, the media does that and divides people. Like where I work at, they play Fox News and on Fox News, you hear something completely different from what you hear on CNN. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, one, one group of people is watching this show and Fox News, the majority of those people are white. And then three or four black people were over here watching CNN and we're looking at them like they might be racist, but they might not be racist. They might just not know. <laughs> exactly. And so I also have the other case where one of my friends, she's a blonde, blue eyes, totally white, and she cannot relate to racism. So she decided not to post anything in support of the Black Lives Matter, Stop Asian Hate. And her justification was that 
I am not generally in a good place to say that because I have not been involved in that. So she felt like she could get outside of the system, even though it's kind of impossible because if you're a human being, you're part of the systemic racism. So she was like, if I don't know anything, if I don't know enough about the topic, I'm not going to try to fit in and post something, just post it because then it does not feel genuine. I think I would respect this person a lot more that if you don't know anything, then don't say anything rather than try to say something just to fit in. Like, I understand that, but people have this compulsion to say stuff. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah, internet makes it so, like, I can say whatever I want. <laughs> and it's not just... I'm going to say it anyway. It's like, if you don't say it, then you're going to get judged anyway. So, if you right. say something, you're going to get judged. If you don't say something, you're going to get judged. So, you might as well, like, keep being yourself, and if she's not interested in topics of race, just like, for example, I'm not super interested in topics of feminism, which is my right, even though I'm a woman, it does not make me a hater of the movement for feminism. It's just that I have priorities set up, and it's true that everybody has different energy, different time for everything. So I'd rather people... I think, I think there's, in the, the society that we live in today, I don't think anybody's really like them themselves you know it's always i have to say this because somebody else is saying something or i can't be the way i am because they look at me this way or something like that so it's hard for people to really be authentic and be them so i understand what you're saying don't say nothing at all but like i said people have this composing to be like ah, i want to be included yes <laughs> and also because you get validated with likes and with other comments uh so, you know, if you're not posting yourself as an anti-racist, then, you know, you must be, like, you must be a Trump supporter. Like, it's so divided these days that I'm not really understanding how did we get there as why do we have to be either for or against. Like, there's a whole spectrum and most people, you know, find themselves in the center. It's just that they have to pick a side because that's how the political landscape is. Well, I mean, I think people need to realize that it's, you you just gotta be you. That's that's my thing. If you're not you, then who are you? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So I used to have a lot of put a lot of pressure on myself because being black, I always felt like I had to do more in order to get uh, the accomplishment that other people would get. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they would always I would always be judged more harshly than pe other people. So I felt like I had to do more. But then as I came, you know, as I matured, I was like, I'm gonna do what I need to do to succeed. So that's not doing excessively more and killing myself at work or or anything like that. That's just being the best person that I can be as an individual. And the goal in the society is not to have a uniformity, you know, like the one human race and everybody fitting in. They're like, it's nice to be supported by a community because you don't feel alone. And now people are so depressed because with the pandemic, you're so isolated that more than ever, you want to feel like like you have a social life and that people care for you and you want to care for them. So there's a strong need to conform. And also when people stay inside, confined, all they do is like be on their phone. So they read the news, they get their information from social media. That already puts some information about what you want to see because they have an algorithm based on your search history. So they're going to validate what you're thinking. And now you just want to like, you know, be like your friends and be like them and buy what they want to buy. Yeah, I, I mean, that's true. Like, on my Instagram feed, like, I guess they know I do CrossFit, and all of it is just CrossFit people. I'm like, someone I want to look at all day. But <laughs> so I, I can understand that. Yeah. But, you know, 
people want to be included. Honestly, like, I think back in, like, the early 2000s, like, you had to go out to experience things, meet things, um, I mean, meet people and do things. My friend, I had a friend when I was back in, like, 2008. He was a, he's a white guy. And I was telling him, I was like, yeah, man, let's go out. Let's go get some breakfast. And he was like, all right, cool. This is in North Carolina. And we go to the, we're heading to two restaurants. We got two options. Option A, I tell him, I'm like, hey, man, we can't go to this restaurant because I'm pretty sure it's racist. And he was like, nah, man, that ain't true. And option B was IHOP. <laughs> Nobody's racist is IHOP. So we go to option A. And that whole experience, they set us in like a dark section with no light. We got our food cold. People was coming in after us, getting their food before us. And for me, I was angry, but for him, he was shocked. Like he didn't know that this shit like this happened. I was like, yeah, man. So if you are constant, if you're on your phone, right? And you see like, oh, black people are riding in the streets. You know, you can see that on one feed and that, that might polarize you toward one direction. And then on another feed, you see, like, oh, white people are beating up black people, like, you know, like, it's over tomorrow. Then that might polarize you toward another one. But, you know, and that, that's what divides people and people be like, oh, man, I got to pick a side. I need to be included. You know what? I'm not racist, but I'm also not for, like, you know, this side over here. So they're trying to pick a section in the middle, you know, because I want to be included instead of not saying nothing at all. So you're like, all lives matter. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say because you're not wrong by saying all lives matter. So you don't really think yeah. you're just not saying anything. But you have to say something because if you don't say anything, people forget about you. That's even worse when you fall into the abyss of being left out, being forgotten. Yeah, so I, I think you asked the question like, how did we get this way? We got this way because we rely a lot more on technology than we used to for our information that we could go out and experience for ourselves. No, for sure. Like, I'm going to be honest, like, in South, when I was in South Carolina, there was, like, again, there was this box and feeling that I was in, and I thought every Asian person that I saw, I was like, they must be Chinese, because all I knew was Kung Fu movies. <laughs> and then, when I got out of South Carolina, I was like, oh, man, it's, like, Filipino, Japanese, uh, Chinese, Cambodian, like, people were everywhere. I was like, man, it's so, even, like, black people, I was like, oh, you know, they're from Kenya, they're Kenyan, they're, uh, uh, Senegalese, all these other people. I'm like, oh man, there's so many more different types of people out here in the world. That's how I just kind of found out about everything. Yeah. And on your personal, on your personal side, do you feel like Hollywood has made progress into including minorities on the screens? Hmm. I mean, no, not really. It's, it, it's, I guess it's like a little progress, but it's still pretty much the same to me. Like you don't see like mainstream movies, you don't find a lot of, uh, black leads aside from if i ask people who are the top or who are the last actors that you saw in a movie people would probably be like denzel washington eddie murphy kevin hart or some other random or michael b jordan <laughs> you know, or jamie fox those are the five people that people probably would name they'd be like oh yeah this other. but you know there's other people out there like they're doing things um so I think they, or Idris Elba, I forgot about him, that dude's cool. But they typecast everybody in like this whole thing. They only pick a bunch uh, from these black people instead of like taking everybody. Yeah. Like the times, I think the times where like you see a good movie and there's an actress or an actor that you don't even know about and you'd be like, damn, that was amazing. Who was this person? They're gone. I think they're gone. Especially in America, didn't you feel like everything was going to change with Barack Obama and Michelle? 
you know, it's not just a black president, but he also has a black family. Yeah, I mean, one person can't get rid of like 400 years of oppression. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's 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 when like in eight years you can't get rid of like all the oppression that happened. And I think like he did okay for what they would allow him to do, but people don't realize that while he was in office, he had to fight tooth and nail to get anything accomplished because the Senate was Republican. I think Senate or the House of Representatives, everybody was Republican, so. Nothing was really getting done. Even like Obamacare barely got passed. I know. That was so sad though. Because now we're realizing with the coronavirus that people are dying because they don't have insurance. And we could have solved that with Obamacare. And I found that so sad that health being the number one priority for a nation. Because if you don't have a healthy population, then it's not going to move forward. Same with education. Like those are the most expensive bills that one could fear. Like people will actually not go to the doctors because they're scared about how much it's going to cost. Well, you said the one thing that, that should let you know that that's the reason why that happened. It's the most expensive thing. So, you know, you're always going to need healthcare. So it's that industry is making billions of dollars on sick people. I mean, you also know better than anyone. There's loopholes to go to med school. Like for you, it was going to the Navy to get finance for your school. So there's ways to becoming a doctor, ways to get access to health through other ways than getting in student debt and pay like 100k per year to go to med school. It's hard to get in the programs to be a doctor in the Navy. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so I mean, like that's, I think that's just across the board. But like people get going to debt all the time. I had a friend who was trying to be a physical therapist and she was in debt and she joined the Navy to escape the debt. I was like, damn, man, school's expensive. <laughs> it is. It really is. But, like, could the GI Bill pay for your schooling? Is that enough? Oh, yeah. I'm using it. I'm going to use it for uh, my next uh, little chapter. I'm trying to go to law school. So Wait, so it's not a secret anymore. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't have told the podcast crew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by the time this episode gets released, you're going to be a lawyer, right? Hopefully, if you hold it that long, you know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very good news, and I'm happy you're moving forward, and maybe it's going to be a new passion for you, and maybe a second episode will follow up, so we can see how you're doing on the LSAT. All right. I'm studying for it now, and it's terrible, so we'll see. <laughs> it feels very hard, but you can do it. Thank you for your encouragement. <laughs> what else would you like to ask me? I feel like we've been talking about a lot, so what yeah. else you got? So... Do you happen to have a last piece of advice for listeners based on our conversation? To just be you. Because I think, like I said before, it's hard in this world to kind of at your place out and be, you know, an individual. But that's sometimes what you have to do to, you know, not fall into the wrong crowd or fall into somewhere that you don't want to be. So I think the best adventure that I've had was when I decided that I'm just going to be me. And that's when I, you know, ended up seeing everything, meeting new people. Well, now I know a little French, you know, je peux parler français. I like how you have to brag at the end of the episode. Yes, yes. But yes, yes it's definitely freeing to be yourself. Like you don't, you don't feel so pressured to fit into an image that you created for yourself, or the pressure that you put on your own shoulders. So freeing yourself, mm-hmm. to yourself. It's a great advice. Thank you so much for your time on this podcast. It was a pleasure having you. You're welcome. Uh, I guess I'll talk to you later. I don't know. <laughs> I'll talk to you en français. <laughs> okay. Have a good night. Good night. If you love the podcast, you can check out my blog, Education Monsters. It's education-monsters.com. You can also support my project on multicultural education by donating on my Patreon page. 
The link is posted below. If you make a donation, you could have a shout out on my next article or podcast. You could also choose the subject of my new article or podcasts. And if you need French or English lessons, meet me on the italki platform. I'll put the link below. Shoot me a message as well if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast. And may today be the best day of your life. Bye.